Romans chapter 3. I hope this has been a help to you. I hope it's been a, even informative to you at least. Romans chapter 3. We've been walking through the book of Romans and um, we've seen a lot to do with sin. Sin has been a major role in this. And uh, Paul is going to continue on this same passage. Um, actually, um, we're going to look continually look at how sin affects every part of our lives. And so let's go ahead and read. We've been kind of studying verses 10 to 18. Uh, so let's go ahead and read through those again. The Bible says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your stripe, doesn't matter uh, where you come from, you are not righteous, there is none, no, not one. Verse 11, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongues they have used deceit, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here tonight and study your word. I pray that it would be helpful. I pray that it would be a good use of our time studying your word, understanding it. And Father, that you would help us apply it to our lives, and that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We love you. Thank you for the opportunity. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to kind of give you a slight review because we've been kind of verse by verse going through this, and sometimes we can forget the entire context around this. But just as a review, Romans chapter 3 starts with verse 1, what advantage hath the Jew? What is the point of being a Jew? If the, being religious and all of these different things are, are you know, not worth it, if the, being outwardly religious, let me rephrase, is not worth it, then what is the point? And then in verse 9, he concludes that whether you're Jew or Gentile, we are all under sin. So these, this is the context. He's talking about Jewish people, Jew, Gentile, everybody's under sin. We're all a bunch of sinners. All have sinned. There is none righteous. He's using a lot of these words that include everybody. But now Paul is beginning to use their favorite king, and some of their most well-respected prophets. And he's using them against the Jewish people. Now, you have to remember, Jewish people are very proud people. Jewish people uh, think that their relationship with God is, is, you know, perfect. And the reality is it's not, and all are under sin. And he, Paul is beginning to use these people and these, he's using David versus uh, really 10 to 12 is Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. That's David writing and he uses this against them. And then now we're going to get down into verse 15 and he's just showing us that our wickedness is rampant. Our wickedness hurts. Our wickedness is upon all mankind. Verse 15. He says this, their feet are swift to shed blood. Our feet, their feet are swift to shed blood. Now, this is the first quote that we see from Isaiah. So this is Isaiah 59, verses 7 to 8. 
Okay, Isaiah 59, verses 7 to 8. Now, I want you to actually turn over to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. You're going to want to keep your finger there in Romans chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 59. I'm going to make you turn a bunch tonight, all right, just to keep you awake. Some of you are trying to go to sleep on me. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 59, look at verse 1 with me. Watch this now, okay? This is important. Considering the context in which we find ourselves, considering we're talking about sin, watch this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Stop right there. The fault is not in God. God can, uh, has the ability to save. God will save. God wants to save. His hand is not shortened and his, his ear is not heavy. Okay, so he can hear, he can help. Look at verse 2. But your iniquities. Now who would be Isaiah be talking to here? Jewish people. He's talking to Jewish people. Isaiah is saying, listen, your iniquities have what? Separated between you and your God. And your sins, watch, have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So it's, it's not God's hand that's short. It's your sin that has stopped. It's not his ear that is heavy. It is your sin that has gotten in the way. Verse 3. Watch this, this is important. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice's eggs, that's a fun word to say, and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments. Neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Watch, here's the quote. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Now again, Isaiah chapter 59 is a direct assault on the pride of the Jewish people. It's a direct, you are the ones who are to be blamed. You are the reason that there is no relationship with God. So it's not the Lord who's incapable, it is our sin. And it is our sin that wreaks havoc on our lives. It is our sin that wreaks havoc on our lives. Every single day. We get closer to death because of sin. Again, some of us are closer than others. But every single day, we get closer to death because of sin. The day I was born, I started dying because of sin. Sin affects every part of our lives. Sin comes so natural to us. It's so easy for us. But it is our sin that keeps us from having an abiding relationship with God. Sin is a big problem. But look at what sin does. We talked about the mouth last week. And we talked about how venom comes out of the mouth and we're unprofitable. All those different things. But look at verse 15. Sinners, their feet are swift. 
Their feet are swift. Okay, I just want you to stop there. The word swift just means quick and ready. Quick and ready. Almost as if it were with great anticipation. I've often, I used to play shortstop, um, not very well, but I used to play. And uh, in, in, in softball or baseball. And we were always in this position. We were ready for anything. We had great anticipation. And usually third base and shortstop, you usually had to be pretty quick and ready on your feet, ready to go. So this is the exact idea. Swift here is important, like they're looking for it. But notice, what are they swift to do? Swift to shed blood. Whoa. Swift sinners are swift to shed blood. In fact, Solomon warns his son in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 16 to stay away from sinners. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. But in verse 16 he says, why? Because their feet are swift to shed blood. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 16. Their feet are swift to shed blood. This is not just a nuanced portion of the Bible. Sinners always, constantly, their feet want to shed blood. They are quick. They are ready. They are expectant to shed blood. What does that mean? Well, this is an attack on God's creation. God's creation. Hold on, let me, let me establish some things here. So Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Genesis 9 verse 6. Notice, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? Here it is. For in the image of God made he man. Notice these words. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Would anybody argue that man was made in God's image? No. What what corrupted that? Sin. Sin corrupted man being made in God's image. So God is holy. God is perfect. We are made in the image of God. And here, this verse says, If you shed man's blood, by man shall your blood be shed. So what's happening? Why is this so important? Because you are attacking the image bearer of God Almighty. When you shed a man's innocent blood, you are attacking the image bearer of God. You are attacking the creation of God. Now, I don't think I'm preaching to a bunch of murderers here, okay? So hold on. Just hold on. Buckle in because we're going to get to a point where this actually applies to us. Okay? You may not be feeling this way right now, but just hold on. You are attacking God's creation. Sin, notice, sin is against God. Sin is against God. Now, would it not be reasonable to assume that if sin is against God, that eventually we would try to ruin His creation? If I am living a life that is against God, that is opposite of God, I don't want to please God, I want to hurt God, would it not be Reasonable to assume that at some point, somewhere down the road, because we're living that life, we would want to hurt the creation of God. If I want to hurt someone, I hurt what they made. If I want to really get back at one of you, I hurt your children. Listen, do whatever you want to me, please, but don't hurt my children. Right? So sin will take us this far. 
Let's take a look at a few instances that show when sin is present and growing, we have a thirst for blood. Let me say that again. When sin is present and growing, we have a thirst for blood. I'll give you a few instances. Cain and Abel. Ooh. In fact, go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Let's turn a bunch. Genesis chapter 4. In verse 5, the Bible says this, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain, watch, 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 was very wroth. You need to underline that in your Bible. Very wroth. That's a key point. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, watch this, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain, watch, rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? Notice this, the voice of thy brother's what? Blood. Crieth unto me from the ground, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Interesting. Sin. Sin lieth at the door. And when sin... Lies at the door, guess what's going to happen? Eventually, he has a thirst for revenge, a thirst for innocent blood. And he has just that. He gains just that. He tries to kill his brother Abel. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write it down. When sin is present and growing, we all have a thirst for blood. What about Saul and David? Saul and David, go to 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 4. 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 4, the Bible says, And Jonathan, David's best friend, the son of Saul, spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, watch what he says, Let not the king, what? Sin against him. Let not the king sin, oh, excuse me, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned. He was innocent against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and didst rejoice. Wherefore then, Wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? Hopefully you understand the context of the story. David kills Goliath. David has a, has a good, uh, wonderful victory, and everybody's cheering and saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is ten thousands, and David's so much better. All of these wonderful things about David, and Saul's upset. Saul's upset, and the sin begins to rise. Sin begins to come to the door, and he tries to slay 
David. Oh, we're not done yet. What about the religious crowd and Jesus? Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 24. This is incredible. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, Watch, I am innocent of the blood of this, what? Just person, an innocent man. See you to it. Watch. Oh, man, this is terrible. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Are you seeing the process here? When sin is present and growing, there is an extreme thirst for blood. Extreme thirst. It happens. What about Herod or Herodian, Herodias and John the Baptist? Hey, you, you're, you're not supposed to be with her. That's your brother's wife. And she hears that and doesn't want to have anything to do with that and, tries the, and, and eventually gets John the Baptist beheaded. Man, when sin is present and growing, there is a great thirst for blood. Let me ask you, what areas in life right now are you seeing a thirst for blood? What about, what about abortion? You, you, you getting, getting the point yet? When sin is present and growing, there is a thirst for blood. 90,000 abortions happen per day in the world. 90,000. We have already com committed 5 million abortions since January 1st of this year. Five million. Do you realize that there are only 86,400 seconds in a day? That means we are shedding innocent blood more than one per second. Sin. Sin. What about this? We would, we would never actually say this out loud, I don't think. But what about politics? I don't even know if I should go here. But more than once I've heard a Christian say, we need to assassinate that, this politician or another politician. Maybe not so much in Canada, but I have heard it from a Canadian. We can get so angry in politics that we actually want their head on a platter. Can we not? Don't look at me like that self-righteous. And here's what happens as we get into this mob mentality, right? We're all going to do something. We're all, all frustrated. We're all angry. And we all get together. And guess what? We just believe what everybody else believes. Oh, yeah, he said this. And oh, yeah, he said that. And just absolute ridiculousness. Listen, and that always leads to shedding blood. People are literally thirsty for blood. And Jesus even expands on this further. 
Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus expands on this even a little bit further. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says this. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Okay, excellent. But look at verse 22. Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, innocently, did you catch that? Innocently, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Raka, empty, worthless. You are worthless. Listen, we as a society, hold on, we as Christians, the Jews did this to Jesus. Listen, we're not exempt. We're not exempt. Again, you may have never actually verbalized it, but have you ever thought that person is worthless? I have no time of day for that person. I'm not going to spend any. It's just worthless. But notice, verse 22, whosoever is angry with a brother. I want you to go back to Cain. What, what, what was he? Wrath. Anger. Saul. What was he? Angry. The Jews. What were they? Angry. Let me stop you right there. We better be very careful with our anger. We better be very careful with our anger. The Bible says be angry and sin not. But here's the problem. We as human beings, we as religious people, we get angry about, quote, religious things. And what happens is we allow sin into our life and we become thirsty for blood. Selfish anger will always lead to a thirst for blood. When sin is present and growing, we have a thirst for blood. That ought to scare us. That ought to make us like stop and think, what direction am I headed? That our sin could lead to hurting innocent people. And it starts with anger. So we've seen, all the way back to Romans chapter 3, verse 15, their feet are swift, they want to, they're excited about it almost, to shed innocent blood. But look at verse 16 destruction and misery are in their ways. Destruction. Let's take a look at this word, destruction. Destruction, from Strong's Dictionary, just means complete ruin. Complete and utter ruin. The life of a sinner is going to be complete and utter ruin. It's going to be a shambles. If you've not noticed this, sin takes a toll on your physical body. If, if you compare, I had the opportunity to do this this week. If you compare somebody who, for the most part, has tried to live for the Lord and somebody who has just completely allowed sin to ravage their body, you could, same age, the person in sin looks much older. Happens, happens almost every time. 
every time. Now, again, that's not, if somebody looks older than they should, that's not exactly sin. I'm just trying to say sin will take a toll on your body. Sin takes a toll on your physical, mental, and emotional state all the time. Left alone, sin will always lead you to destruction. You say, prove it. Okay, I will. The flood. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord said, I will, de excuse me, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Sin, every, just constant sin, just growing sin. Every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. I, I can't think of it, any way to phrase it better than that. They were just wicked to their core, and it came out in every way. Listen, it will lead to destruction every time. How about this? Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19. Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19, verse 15. Genesis 19 and verse 15. Hopefully you understand the context of the story. There's two men that come to Lot. They, Lot has them stay overnight. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. The iniquity of the city was so great that God looked down and said, I hear a cry coming up and I'm going to see if it's true or not. And Abraham says, come on, if there's ten righteous, save it. Here we can only find four. And eventually only three because mom turns around and turns into a pillar of salt. Sin will always lead to destruction. Sin will always lead to destruction. What about Israel? We're going through the book of Nehemiah right now. Why is the city of Jerusalem lying in waste? It wasn't because they were following God, loving God, serving God, doing everything they could for God. It was not that at all. They left God. They served other gods and said, I'm going to... I'm going to commit adultery on God and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. That's why they're in destruction, because of sin. They're carried off in the book of Judges just over and over and over and over and over again. Sin will always bring destruction. That's just three examples. We could spend a lot of time here. Sin will always bring destruction. Mark it down, always. But now let's contrast this, okay? Go to Psalm 91. Everybody, this is like the COVID psalm, right? Psalm 91. Look at verse 1. Psalm 91. I knew that was going to happen. I kept bumping into it. Sorry. 
pause game. I don't know what to do with these now, dear. It's my fault, I know. Okay, so we're talking about sin. <laughs> talking about sin will always bring destruction or contrasting this. Notice verse 1 of Psalm 91. He that, here it is, dwelleth. Where? Dwelleth where? In the secret place of the Most High. And shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So just picture this. Just dwelling with God. Just spending time with God. It is a beautiful picture. You're abiding in Him. Okay? There's a bunch of wonderful benefits, but I want you to notice verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the what? Destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Do you see the contrast? Oh, I'm going to spend time in sin. I'm going to do everything that I want, and I'm going to be over here, and guess what's going to happen? Destruction. But if I come over here, and I spend my time with God, and I'm abiding in Him, and I'm walking in the paths that He wants me to walk, guess what? Destruction will not come near me. Sinners always get destruction. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Not easy to live, is it? But it's necessary. We talked about anger. Now anger in Jesus' eyes leads to really killing someone. But this time, let's take a look at what leads to our destruction. I want you to go to Psalm, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18. I got it here on the screen. Notice this, what goes before destruction? Pride and destruction. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. So we know, we know sin leads to destruction. It will every time. So let me just encourage you, watch out for your pride. Watch out for your pride. Pride will always lead to destruction. And listen, I'm just as proud as the next person, probably more. I'm so proud, I, I, it's disgusting sometimes. And we've, we've talked, especially in our small group, we've, we've spent a little bit of time and maybe... I've just been a little bit revealing, letting people know what I struggle with. The reality is I struggle with pride. I want people to look at me and, wow, he's successful. And I remember playing sports and thinking, you know, I'm the best player on this team. I remember, I, re I still think, and I've, I've said this a couple times, the first year I ever played basketball was the first time our school, in the history of our school, ever won the state championship. Ever. Again, I want to say, yeah, it was because of me. Ridiculous. It was probably because of my brother. He's way better than I am, and that was his first year playing too. But I want you to understand, like, we in our natural state were prideful. 
We love ourselves. We want everybody to look at ourselves. And listen, pride shows up in all kinds of different ways. Be careful of your pride. Pride will always lead you to destruction. But notice, i got to go back, destruction and what? Misery. Oh, and you're just flat out miserable. You're not in destruction and happy about it. You're in destruction and miserable. This is, this is a long-lasting destruction. You're in destruction for You'll always be in destruction, but this is just long-lasting. Strong's Dictionary uh, defines it as an, an enduring trial. Are you, come on, just be honest, all right? Are you excited and happy when you're in a trial? The Bible says you can't have joy in the midst of a trial. That's because of Jesus Christ. But be honest, we are not normally excited and happy in the midst of a trial. When we're going through difficult times, this is misery just compounded. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way that they go, always going to end up in destruction. They're always going to be miserable. I don't, listen, I don't care how much you want to play that it's not miserable. I don't care how much the commercials show you how they're not miserable. Miserable. We can, we can spend a whole lot of time here and just look at Hollywood. Actors and actresses. Oh man, they've got everything and everybody wants to be them and they're miserable. They're committing suicide. They're taking their own lives because they're just miserable. It's just absolute misery. And then verse 17. And the way of peace have they not known. And this finishes Isaiah chapter 59, verses 7 and 8. But I want you just to notice this, the way of peace. Okay? The way of peace. Sin does not know peace. Sin does not know peace. Let me be very blunt. Do you have peace right now? Do you, I mean, I'm seriously. I'm just going to be honest with you. With everything that's going on in the world, there are days and maybe moments of days that I don't have peace. Stop right there. If there is no peace, then there is probably sin. That's a bold statement. But when there is no peace, there is possibly sin. Sin is ever warring. Sin is ever warring. I love this phrase. I love how it talks about the way of peace. Their way is destruction and misery. This way, there's a way of peace. They have not known. Like never. Like, as much as they want to know peace, and as much as they desire peace, and as much as our world is, is longing for peace, the way of peace, they have not known. Have they not known? Now, this is phrased this way, I believe, for a specific reason. I believe it's phrased this way, making it extremely understandable that there is a way of peace. There is a way of peace. Again, I want you to notice this, this way of peace. 
And it can be known. It can be known. And we're going to get there. It just can't be known with sin. The way of peace cannot be known with sin. So again, you might be living your life, you might be enjoying some things, but let me ask you seriously, do you have peace? I mentioned this morning about anxiety, and I understand there's a lot more to deal with in anxiety than just say, trust Jesus. Learning to trust Jesus is a real thing that will help. But listen, where there is no peace, what's, what's sin? Again, it may not be it may not be all sin. I may tend that way. Some people tend to anger. Some people tend to pride. Some people tend to agitation. We all have different things that we tend to, but the reality here is this. Sin is going to affect, it's going to exacerbate every problem we have. And there's a remedy. There's a remedy. Jesus is that remedy. I don't want to jump ahead, but we're getting there. I don't want to just constantly keep giving you bad news. That's what Paul's doing. (laughs) Sin affects every part of our lives. Sin will make you angry. Sin will make you proud. Sin will make you murderous. Sin will make you destructive and miserable and without peace. So this is a warning. If you feel yourself getting any of these, you feel yourself getting upset, angry, frustrated, proud, even murderous. Listen, take a step back. Is this sin? Is this sin? Sin is ever present with us. We need to deal with it. Do not let sin run in your life. We've often said, and I've often heard in my life, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. I look at Lot. The Bible calls Lot a righteous man. And look where he ended up. Sin, ever present, will cause us great grief. Sin is destructive. Sin is deplorable. And left alone, it will completely and utterly destroy us. Yeah, you as a Christian too. That's what Paul's saying. You Jews, you think you're something special. You think you're God's chosen people. You do all the law. You show up to church 12 times a week with however much you want. You do everything you're supposed to do. But yet we're all under sin. And left unchecked, we will all be destroyed. As I said before, there's good news. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll get into that how Jesus Christ is the answer. But just remember, sin is destructive. Don't let it stay. If God pricks your heart, don't fight against it. Get rid of it, because this is how destructive it can be, if we're not careful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. We love you. We're so grateful that you've given us a way out of our sin. Thank you for the lessons that you've given us. Romans chapter 3, I hope this has been a help. Father, as we look into our own lives, would you help us see sin? Would you search us, know our hearts, and see if there be any wicked way in us? And Father, point that out and convict us so much that we can't stand it to be in there. Because, Father, at the end, we know 
That sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Help us to see it for what it is. Help us not to enjoy it. Help us to despise it. Father, we will give you the honor and glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.